check, check. You guys hear me? Perfect. Okay. Uh, so I got to say that I'm very excited to be preaching for the Eau Claire Church of Christ this morning. This is actually my first time preaching outside of Madison, so this will be pretty fun. Uh, so for those of you who don't know me, my name is Will Holt, and I'm a young professional from the Madison Church of Christ. And uh, I'll, get a, I'll get into who I am uh, a little bit later, but right now I just want to talk about the reason I'm here. And I'm, of course, here for the second annual YoProFest, which has been an amazing weekend so far. I got to say that I've definitely felt spiritually rejuvenated by, uh, by everybody here. Uh, I can tell that the Eau Claire YoPro ministry put a lot of time and effort into this. So from the bottom of my heart, I just want to say thank you guys for putting that time and effort into this. Uh, another thing that I've noticed this weekend is just how much of a family the Eau Claire Church has actually been, which is what I want to talk about this morning. So turning your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. So before I get into the sermon, like I said, I want to share a little bit about myself. Again, my name is Will Holt, and I live in Madison, Wisconsin. I have an awesome wife, or awesome wife. Her name is Poole Holt, and like the Palmer said earlier, we've been married for 120 days today. We got married on February 24th, um, and she's an Eau Claire native, which means that we'll be coming back here to visit, so uh, this is not going to be the last time I'm here, which would be great. Um, I also have two faithful parents who have been disciples almost my entire life, and I have a younger brother and a younger sister who have also decided to make Jesus Lord of their life. And my brother Chris is actually here in the room with us this morning, worshiping with us. Uh, uh, for my job, for my career, I run an after-school and summer camp program through a martial arts school. So I really love kids, and the kids are also teaching me to really love martial arts. Uh, I've been training for a couple of years, and it's definitely been awesome. Uh, a couple other random things about me are I love, love, love comic books, specifically Batman and Justice League comic books. I love those, absolutely. Uh, I love Hot Wings from Wingstop. Has anybody, I don't know if you guys have a Wingstop here in Eau Claire, but Wingstop is by far one of the best restaurants ever. Um, outside, <laughs> yeah, outside of that, uh, I love to write music. I love to write poetry. And I really debated if I wanted to share this this morning, but I'm just going to share it anyway. I'm a huge Chicago Bears fan, okay? Hey, see the mug right in front. <laughs> uh, so are there any other Bears fans here this morning? Three, okay. Are there Packers fans here? Okay, I know we're pretty close to Minnesota. Are there any Vikings fans here? Wow. That is actually pretty surprising. Uh, I just want to say I love you guys anyway. Uh, and I know our bonds, they go way deeper than superficial things like that. Amen? So again, what I want to talk about this morning is family. But I don't just want to talk about why family is important or why God calls us to be in one. I want to talk about the purpose of that family and challenge everybody to just go after living out that purpose. Uh, so just to share a little bit more about me, I moved around a lot as a child due to my father being in the military. So I never attended a school for more than three years growing up, all the way through uh, high school. Uh, that obviously made it very hard for me to maintain strong friendships. So I don't really have any friends from childhood that I can just call up whenever I want. Uh, but because of that, I was really close to my blood family. Uh, my brother and sister, they were my first relationships, and they're still some of my strongest relationships to this day. And that's why when we studied out family in the Madison Church of Christ earlier this year, uh, it really resonated with me so much. Um, loving my church family is so familiar to me because... I love my blood family so much. And understanding that fact that actually helped me realize that uh, our experiences with our church family 
are informed by how we experience our uh, blood family, our earthly family. But that actually works in the opposite direction as well, that uh, if you come from a family who wasn't super close to one another, then you might not be as close to your church family, naturally. And I just want everybody to keep that in mind as we get into the scriptures this morning. But I also want you guys to remember that God calls his family to be something very specific and very unique. And it's that uniqueness that helps our families grow both spiritually and numerically. Uh, and that's actually one of the reasons I love hearing about church plannings and mission teams and the stories that they faced early on. Uh, for example, the Eau Claire Church, I found out, was planted 12 years ago with just five disciples. And 12 years later, there's more than five disciples in this room this morning, which is awesome. Uh, and I don't know the whole story about uh, how the church got planted or how it grew, but I do know that you don't grow that much over the course of 12 years without being a family with a purpose. So, brothers and sisters, this morning, the title of my sermon is Family with a Purpose. Uh, so if you're a disciple, then you're called to be a part of a family created by God to help bring about his kingdom. God's plan for his family and our purpose hasn't changed in 12 years, and it hasn't even changed in 2,000 years. We're still a part of the same family with the same purpose that's talked about in the scriptures. So what I want to do today is I want to take a look at the scriptures and what they have to say about that. Amen? Okay. So... Uh, what is God's plan for a spiritual family? Well, I think we can see a pretty cool snapshot of the early church family in Acts chapter, uh, Acts chapter 2. So we're going to get some insight from that scripture there. Uh, so the scripture we're about to read takes place right after the church got started. You know, Jesus had just given his apostles the commission to make other disciples, and Peter had just preached to a crowd of about 3,000 people, and 3,000 people were added to God's family that day. And that's where we're going to pick it up in verse 42. Starting at verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added, er, added to their number daily, those who were being saved. So right after 3,000 people were added to the church, we see a snapshot of them being a family. And in this snapshot, we see how they live and how they relate to one another. It says they devoted themselves to learning from the apostles who learned from Jesus himself. It says that they gave to one another uh, as they were in need, uh, meaning that they sacrificed for one another. It also says that they broke bread and ate with one another in their homes. So this is how the very first Christian family lived. And this is the same model that we can follow today. Um, God's plan for family, like I said, hasn't changed. So I want to take a uh, closer look at these three things that I just talked about. And I think this passage really hits on the idea of fellowship a lot. So fellowship is important, amen? Uh, fellowship is defined as friendly association with people who share a common interest. And fellowshipping with the church family is unique and important because God is the most important thing that we can have in common with one another. Uh, I often fellowship with people outside of the church, and it just does not stack up as uh, to when I'm fellowshipping with somebody inside of the church. Uh, so, for example, a couple of years ago, me, my brother, and my girlfriend at the time, or now my wife, uh, we went to Chicago Comic Con, because, again, I love comic books. And uh, I was surrounded by a lot of other people who loved the same things that I did, who loved comic books, who loved video games, uh, stuff like that. And I talked to a lot of people who created comic books that day. Uh, but there was just this one point where we were standing in line, and I look over, and I see another disciple from Madison, which I did not expect to be there. So obviously I was very surprised and shocked, and I, I just called him over, and he 
came over and gave me a nice Christian side hug, and we talked for a little bit, and we fellowshiped for about two hours, and I got to say that that was way more encouraging than me fellowshipping with the other people that I met. Even though we shared the same common interest, because me and uh, Brian was his brother's name, we shared this common interest of God. And that was way more impactful and way more uh, fulfilling to me than actually fellowshipping with the people who came there for comic books. Uh, there's, just some or there's just something about that connection that's unlike anything in the world. Uh, but fellowship is actually important for, no for another reason, I think. And I've always had the conviction of fellowship, but it was really strengthened by something I read in the book Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Uh, so this quote I'm going to read here comes from a chapter where Lewis is talking about imitating Christ. And the quote is, Men are mirrors or carriers of Christ to other men. Sometimes unconscious carriers. This good infection can be carried by those who have not got it themselves. People who were not Christians themselves helped me to Christianity. But usually it is those who know him that bring him to others. This is, this is why the church... Uh, the whole body of Christians showing him to one another is so important. So Lewis says that we as a church can show Jesus to one another. So how can you ever show Jesus to someone if you never, ever hang out with them, if you never fellowship with them? You can't. Uh, that's why fellowship is an even bigger conviction for me now. So fellowshipping with other disciples literally helps me to be a better disciple simply by watching how they live and how they deal with certain situations. Now, since we're imitators of Christ, we see Christ in one another when we're together. So I'm encouraged to live more like Christ the more I see you guys living like Christ. Uh, so fellowship with one another is, is important in our walks with God. Uh, so what else does Acts say about family? Well, it says they sold property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. They sacrificed so that they could take care of one another. Hebrews 13:16 says, And do not forget to do good and share with others for which such sacrifice, sacrifices please, or God is pleased. So sharing with others is most definitely a sacrifice. There's no doubt about that at all. Uh, but sacrificing for the sake of someone else uh, is awesome because you're actively taking part in someone feel awesome. Uh, so by a show of hands, who's ever needed something that they could not obtain on their own? Yeah, I know. Uh, I've been in that same situation, and you guys should know how good it feels when someone comes along and gives you that thing that you need. Uh, you feel helpless, and then someone just comes along and blesses you, or God sends along a blessing uh, through someone else. So you, you, you guys definitely know what a relief it is to feel that. Uh, so we all can take part in someone making someone feel as awesome as we felt when someone has come along and given us something. Not to mention, Hebrews also says that sacrificing for others pleases God. So if your goal is to please God, then sacrificing for others is definitely a good way to go about it. Uh, so it does sacrificing for others does a lot of things. It brings you closer to the person that you're sacrificing for. And it's good for the heart of the person who's receiving it. And it's also good for the person who's giving it. Uh, but most importantly, it pleases God. You know, so sacrificing for your spiritual family is definitely important. But there's one more thing I want to take from Acts. And uh, verse 42 says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So it doesn't say that they merely skimmed over the apostles' teachings. It didn't say they glanced at the apostles' teachings. They devoted themselves to it. That means that they let it shape their very lives. And of course, the, apost the apostles' teachings were the same exact things that they learned from Jesus. Uh, so for us today, the Bible serves that very same purpose. So the point is that they devoted themselves to learning. Uh, when you devote yourself to something, you devote a large part of your time and effort and energy into actually doing it. 
And I can't, think of better, I can't think of a better thing to actually devote your lives to than the scriptures themselves. So 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So why would God want his people and the spiritual family to be equipped for good works? Well, I think it's so that we can treat each other the way that we're supposed to be treated, the way that God intended us to treat one another. You know, if we decided to treat someone the way that we thought they should be treated or even the way that they deserve to be treated, we would be in trouble, right? Uh, but the scriptures are good for teaching us how to have right relationships with one another. It's also good for teaching us how to settle disagreements and disputes. So like I said earlier, I work with kids. So there's a lot of disputes that come up over the course of the day when I'm working with kids. Uh, one of the silliest and most annoying ones that they argue about all the time is who stands in line? Who's the first person in line? If you've worked with kids, and I'm sure you've dealt with this before, but uh, for some reason, the kids always want to be the first person in line. They're very close to the front of the line, even though we're all going to the same place. It doesn't make much sense to me, but anyway, I deal with that a lot. Uh, and I also have to deal with the fact if someone gets out of line, the first person in line gets out of line, do they get their spot back? So what I did is I had to teach the kids that if somebody gets out of the line and they're helping me out or they're being a good leader by helping somebody else out, then they get their spot back. But if they get out of line because they're irresponsible and they forgot something, then they have to go to the back of the line. And it's really cool because the kids have gotten to the point where I don't even have to step in anymore. The kids just know that that's Mr. Will's rule, and Mr. Will's rule is what has to go. Um, so, um, yeah, it's gotten to the point where they understand that. So they just take care of it themselves. Uh, I think that's one of the same reasons that God wants us to be devoted to the scriptures. So we can handle things God's way. Uh, if, everything, if everyone is devoted, then it ensures that the family will operate as planned. Uh, so this is how the first century church lived, and this is how we're called to function today as well. So practically, this just means doing exactly what the scriptures say. Uh, when is the last time you encouraged somebody by having them in your home? You know, I can't count how many times I've been invited into other people's homes, and I can't count the amount of times I've had people into my homes. Uh, there's just something about hanging out with people outside of church that's, that, that does good for your heart. Um, along with that, it's important to make fellowship a priority. You know, if you have a choice between hanging out with somebody from your church family and hanging out with somebody outside of the family, pick your church family. I can't count. Uh, I, I got to tell you that you definitely not regret that. Uh, something about me that I also want to share with you guys is I'm a huge introvert. You know, I'm not shy, but I just get drained being around people. Fellowship really drains me. Uh, but I just have to say that not once have I ever regretted showing up to something because I always feel filled up, which is technically impossible for an introvert to be filled up by people, but <laughs> I think it's because God just wants me to continue making fellowship a priority. Um, but another easy practical um, is just to be on the lookout for people who may be in, or who may be in need and sacrifice for them. You know, I'm not just talking about monetarily. Actually, one of the biggest things you can sacrifice for somebody is your time. So that's usually a huge challenge for me, especially in the summertime, because, like I said, I run a summer camp. So that means that I'm there usually 5.30 in the morning to sometimes 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So my time to myself is sacred. It's something that I just want to keep to myself. Um, and I'm not sure how many of you guys can relate to that, but something I had to learn is that if you're disciplined, you can freely give your time. And if you're generous, you can definitely freely give your time. So I encourage anybody who feels like they don't have enough time to really sit down and reevaluate what they're prioritizing in their lives. Because 
time is one of the easiest needs that we can meet. Amen? So, uh, finally, a practical for this one is just read your Bibles. Alone, in a group, day or night, just read your Bibles and decide to devote yourself to what you're actually learning. Uh, if you don't know what to read, then I'm sure you have somebody that you respect that can give you something to read. Um, Joel will probably give you guys some good stuff to read. Uh, Disciple will maybe give you something good to read. But just ask somebody. Don't go without having a quiet time because you don't know what to read. That is a huge, huge pitfall that can just lead you down a dark spiral, and you don't want that. Um, but anyway, you'll, you will definitely encourage those around you if you are devoted to the scriptures. Um, so, again, God wants his family to fellowship, to sacrifice, and to be devoted to learning with one another. And like I said, being a family is important, but being a family with a purpose is everything. So turn over in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. So, Genesis 1 is the story of the creation of the universe. It talks about all the things that God created and why he was, and you could tell that he was proud of them because at the end of every little uh, phrase it says, and it was good. So after creating the water, the sky, the earth, the plants, and all those things, uh, we get to verse 26. So we're going to pick it up in verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in numbers. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So God said, let us make mankind in our image and likeness. So humans were created to be the image of God. So brothers and sisters, we are the images of God. The best way I've had this explained to me is that we're like little statues that are meant to show the world what God is like. So we do that by being just like him. So this is our purpose as humans, to be images of God and to help bring about his kingdom here on earth. Now, what do I mean when I say bring about his kingdom? Well, uh, biblically, the kingdom of God is can be thought of as a domain of influence under which Jesus has all authority. So we can help that influence grow. We as the people who are created to do this, uh, we do this by showing the world who God is. And we can do that in many ways. Uh, one of the easiest ways we can do that is just by being a light to the rest of the world. You know, I remember talking to some of the people who helped plant the Madison Church of Christ. And they said that when they moved here, they had no idea how to plant a church. They were just sent over there. But what they did do is they said they decided to just live like Christians. And the church grew there because of that, just because they made the simple decision to live like Christians and to follow Jesus and imitate him. Um, so I want you guys to turn over in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Got a point here that I want to share with you guys. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 14. Sip of water really quick. Okay. Verse 14 says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and, and it gives light to everyone in, your, in the house. 
In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Okay, so when you make the choice to live like a Christian, you're being a light to the rest of the world. Now, this scripture is about living your life in a way that you're so much like Jesus that the difference between you and the rest of the world is, is like light and dark. And taking that analogy a step further, those of you who are light to people can lead people in the dark to God. So people who live like this show God to the world, and that's what our purpose is, I think. So when I think of people in, uh, who have been lights in my life, I think of my mom and my dad. You know, growing up, they chose to live like Christians. They loved like Christians. They, they served like Christians. They disciplined us like Christians. And they were just Christians. They were flat-out Christians. Uh, they were light to me as a child. I'm sure they were light to my brother and my sister as well. Uh, so without their faith, I probably wouldn't be faithful today. I wouldn't be up here preaching. Uh, but that's the power of being a light. They showed me what God was like through their lives. Uh, and I think it's the same for us. Uh, so when you're at work or when you're at school, you're light. When you're at the gym working out, you are light. When you're at the grocery store, uh, grocery store shopping, you are light. As long as you're breathing, you can be a light to others. So never underestimate the impact that you can have on someone else's eternity. Um, something that was really convicting that someone once told me is they said that an interaction with you can be the only God that that person ever sees in their life. So when you think about it like that, it becomes way less of an obligation and more of a privilege to be a light to people. Um, but you shouldn't only imitate Jesus when you're in public. Uh, it should be in private as well. You know, in the letter to the Thessalonians, Paul urges them to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. That means that we're disciples 100% of the time. You know, I would argue that being a disciple behind closed doors is actually harder than being a disciple in public because the only person that can see you is God. And let's be honest, as humans, we like to abuse that, the fact that God can only see us. But uh, the more we train our minds in public, or sorry, in, in private to make godly decisions, the more it's actually going to affect how we make those decisions in public. Um, but another way that you, can, that you guys can help bring about God's kingdom is by sharing your faith with others. So many of you guys know the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Uh, it says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So sharing your faith with others is our calling as disciples. Uh, that's the first step in baptizing somebody, to share your faith with them. And when I mean sharing your faith with somebody, I mean sharing the reasons why you believe what you believe about God. Uh, so I do want to make a distinction between that and reaching out. So when I think of reaching out, I think of just inviting somebody into an opportunity where you can share your faith with them. Uh, but like I said, sharing your faith is just that, sharing why you believe what you believe. Uh, that's something that I did not do early on as a Christian. You know, I really kept my faith to myself, and I didn't change until I got into college. Uh, the first time I really put effort into sharing my faith is when uh, I got asked to be a Bible talk leader. Um, and there was just, there was four disciples, uh, there were four students in our Bible talk. And I was the only guy that was on campus. There was three other girls. So I went to our uh, campus minister, Tim DeWolf, and I begged him, please put another guy in my Bible talk. I need help. I cannot do this on my own. He just said, no, you know, I trust in you. I believe in you, which annoyed me. I'm not going to lie. But <laughs> it just let me know that I had to be more evangelistic. So I prayed a lot that semester. I prayed a lot that I would find people. And um, I remember one day I was reaching out on campus, and I was walking around uh, getting a lot of no's, some maybes, but I could tell that they weren't going to come. And what I did is I just sat down and prayed. I said, God, I am not leaving this campus until I find one person who will come to Bible, who says they'll come to Bible talk. 
So that's what I did. And it was a couple more hours for me reaching out. And finally, I uh, found this one guy downstairs. He had like an easel. I don't know what he was doing. He wasn't even an art student, so I don't know why he was carrying that. But uh, I just walked up to him. He didn't look like he would have said yes. He didn't look like he would be open. But I asked him, like, hey, do you want to come to Bible talk? And he said, yeah, I can't tonight, though, because I'm golfing. And keep in mind, it was like 30 degrees outside in the winter in Madison, so I thought he was lying. Like, there's no way that this guy is golfing. Uh, but he said, yeah, I'm golfing. Uh, it's indoor golf. Um, so I got his number, and he said he would come to the next Bible talk. Uh, next Bible talk rolls around. He didn't show up. I asked him if he was going to come to the next one. He said, yeah. That one comes around. He didn't show up. So I'm like, man, this dude doesn't want to come out. But uh, eventually he did come out to one of the Bible talks, but it was one of the only Bible talks in all of uh, the time I've led a Bible talk where I actually didn't even do a discussion. So our campus ministry, we were doing a, uh, a movie trailer competition. So we were just sitting around working on, our, working on our movie trailer. And that scared me because I know, and you guys probably all know that disciples can be crazy. And I was very, very afraid that we were going to scare this guy off. But we didn't. He, like, he fit in so well with us. And it just really surprised me. So after that, I ran after and asked him, do you want to study the Bible? And he was all about that. He, he said, yes, he wanted to study the Bible with me. And that was awesome. Uh, I was very, very encouraged to hear that. So we started studying the Bible. And around the end of the semester, he made, this, he made the decision to make Jesus Lord of his life. And uh, that, that guy was Parker Kessel. He's from Milwaukee. Uh, I got to hang out with him this past week, which was pretty, or this past weekend, which was really cool. Um, but it just really scares me to think about where Parker would be if I hadn't uh, reached out to him, if I didn't pray about those things. Uh, and we all have similar stories. I know there was a guy from Madison, Brian Rossi, who took the time to share his faith with me and helped me to become a disciple. Uh, there's nothing greater you can do to advance the kingdom of God than by sharing your faith with people. So our purpose is to be an image or to, to be an image of God and to build his kingdom. And we can do that only by being a light and sharing our faith. Or not only, but one of the ways, or two of the ways we can do that is by being an image and sharing our faith. Uh, so one practical thing uh, you can take from this is uh, today, whenever, just pray that God opens up opportunities for you to share your faith. And I will attest to the fact that he will always come through in that prayer. He will never not come through in that prayer. Uh, another thing you can practically do, though, is set a goal for yourself when it actually comes to reaching out. Uh, if you're not actively pursuing opportunities to share your faith, then you're just never going to share your faith with anybody. Uh, you have to be intentional about that. Most, like most other things in being a disciple, you have to be intentional about it. Uh, but anyway, just to close out, uh, God has a plan for his family, and he has a plan for our purpose. You know, if we remember these biblical truths and continue to grow in them, then I guarantee the Eau Claire Church of Christ will be much larger in 12 more years. And I can say the same for the Madison Church, the Minneapolis Church, the uh, Milwaukee Church, the Racine Church. Uh, if you guys continue on in these things that we talked about, then your family's just going to grow. So you may have been coming out for a couple of months, a couple of weeks, a couple of years. Uh, but in any event, I want you guys to evaluate where you are in your devotion to your family. And if you're not very strong in your devotion to your family, then help out. Ask somebody to help you out, somebody that you really trust. Because the closer that you are to God's family, the better equipped you are to do God's work and fulfill his purpose for this world. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's pray. Father God, we just want to say thank you so much for being our father, for being the center of our family, the person that brought us all together, a bunch of people who probably would not hang out otherwise, God. Yeah, you brought us together because you love us, God, and you want us to do your work here on this earth, God. 
Uh, I really pray that we can just evaluate where we are, God, and uh, just work on the things that we may be weak in, God, that we, that we may struggle in, God. Uh, we pray that as we go back to our cities and even the people here in Eau Claire, God, we can continue living out what a family lo- or what a family is, God, the way you want a family to be. God, we love you so much. And it's in your son's name we pray all these things. Amen.